We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey there folks, you're listening to the Philadelphia Eagles edition of the 2018 Team Preview Series, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. My name is Neil Dutton, you can follow me on Twitter at ndutton13. Our guest today is Jimmy Kemsky, he's the Eagles beat writer for the Philly Voice. You can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. We'll talk about the changes for the Eagles as they go from underdogs to defending Super Bowl champions, the progress of Carson Wentz and the rest of the IR brigade as they return from injury, and a few of the other key players heading into the 2018 season. Then I'll take a closer look at the journey of Carson Wentz in the NFL so far, as well as looking at two of the key fantasy players on the Eagles offense using some of the great apps we have at Rotoviz. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. But that's enough from me, let's bring out Jimmy Kemsky. Delighted to be joined by Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice. You can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, thanks very much for jumping on with us. Yeah, uh, happy to join you, Neil. Um, we'll get straight into it. Obviously, you know, you, you've been to uh, several Eagles training camps before. I say, I'm, I'll be polite. I won't say exactly how many. Um, are there any major differences between the ones in the past or this one, bearing in mind the Eagles did quite well last season? Yeah, the difference is uh, this team is really good. <laughs> I mean, obviously they won the Super Bowl last year, but uh, this this is the most complete team that I've seen them have in camp. 
uh, in my time covering the team. I've been this is I think it's my seventh training camp uh, that I'm covering. Actually, uh, might be actually might be eight. Anyway, but it, it's by far the best team that I've covered. Even going back to last year, the year they won the Super Bowl. This time last year, the cornerbacks looked horrible. <laughs> like they had Jalen Mills was was their number one cornerback, and you know he hadn't had the season that he had last year yet. Uh, Patrick Robinson was a guy that they signed pretty late in the agency, and he was dreadful uh, at the beginning of camp. He turned it around a little bit later and happened into the preseason games, and then wound up having a great season. And they hadn't yet traded for Ronald Darby at this point in the offseason last year. So, I mean, they had a little bad back. They had a lot of holes on their team. It's really hard to find any, you know, at all, at least in the starting lineup with this, with this team. And then when you look at their depth, they're really strong. Linebacker might be a little bit weak in terms of depth. But, I mean, it's as complete a team as, as I've seen since I've covered the at least locally since I've been covering the NFL. Obviously, one of the things that can happen after the Super Bowl is that a lot of the parts that made the team win can be attracted elsewhere. Um, obviously, you know, sometimes you see players leave. There haven't been that many for the Eagles, I don't think, but there has been changes on the coaching side. What, if any, yeah. impact do you think that that could have moving forward? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's an undersold story so far, and you know they lost Frank Reich and, and your boy John D. Filippo, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost Reich to, to, to the Colts. Uh, he's their head coach now. They lost D. Filippo to the Vikings. He's now their offensive coordinator. He was their quarterbacks coach in, in in Philadelphia, and those two guys were a big, big part of the game planning for their upcoming opponent each week. They really uh, D. Filippo was uh, was big in terms of their red zone preparation. For each opponent, and they, uh, the top of my head, I think they were 64.1 percent uh, in terms of uh, touchdowns scored, and in, in whenever they got to the red zone, which was second in the NFL, and that was a big upgrade from uh, 2016 when I think they were around 49 percent, and you know the bottom half of the league in, in that category. So that was one of the big things that they improved in 2017 was their red zone offense, and like I said, defense had a huge part of that. And then Frank Reich had his hands all over uh, third down conversions, uh, as well as red zone, and then also just you know general game planning in terms of you know in between the twenties against their their opponents each week. So they're going to have to replace those guys, and they did obviously with Mike Groh becoming the offensive coordinator, and then um, yeah, and then you know they filled the other spots as well. So um, yeah, I mean they certainly uh, are going to have to prove that they can game plan for upcoming opponents the same way that, that uh, the trio of Peterson, Reich, and Filippo were able to during the Super Bowl run last year. So obviously where we go to on the field, the big question obviously surrounding the Eagles going into this season will be the health um, and availability of Carson Wentz. Obviously, you're not a doctor, and I know this is you know the stupidest question that people keep asking every single person <laughs> yeah. wearing an Eagles uniform, but... <laughs> Do you think he's going to be ready for week one based on what you've seen or haven't seen so far? I would be absolutely stunned if he did not start week, start week one. And, I mean, I'm not a doctor, as you mentioned, and, uh, you know, shouldn't be trying to play one. But from what I've seen of him in practice, I don't see a guy that looks injured in any way whatsoever. I mean, the only way that I could tell he was injured just by watching him be because he's wearing a knee brace. The Carson Wentz that I've seen, there was one specific day, it was last Saturday, in which uh, he made a number of really impressive physical plays, uh, one of which was he was in the pocket, and uh, the pocket was starting to collapse around him, and he did sort of a Tony Romo spin to the outside, 
And at that point, he was being pursued by uh, Chris Long, and he was able to outrun Chris Long and, and throw on the run while going to his left uh, on the money to a receiver. And it was just a type of wild type of play where you go, I can't believe this guy is, what, seven months removed or eight months removed, rather, from, from a torn ACL and LCL. So um, I look at that play, and I don't mean to make too much of one play or, or rather the four plays that, that I mentioned that I saw during that, that, that day of training camp. But, I mean, I can't see how he can possibly not be ready by week one, especially given they're, what, we're, what like 35, uh, actually even more than that, days away from, from their first uh, regular season game against the Atlanta Falcons week one. And then uh, I've gotten a little bit of uh, heat on this, but I wouldn't be totally surprised if he didn't make an appearance, or if he, if he made an appearance in one of the preseason games. Which I know people seem to think it's crazy, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're, they're they're crazy for thinking that I'm crazy. But I think you know it might be a little bit beneficial to see him to, to, for him to be able to get into a preseason game and just kind of see the speed of the game. I mean, not that he hasn't seen it before, but just kind of get back into sort of, uh, you know, getting ready for, for game day kind of rhythm. You know, you're not going to take any chances with him, obviously. You're not going to have him take seven step drops or anything like that. If you're going to, you know, have him, you know, throw some quick hitters and hand, hand the ball off. Uh, but, and but you know, kind of keep him out of harm's way. But he is so much further along than I thought he would be at this point. And, and again, like I said, I'd be stunned if he didn't play week one. When you talk about um, handing off, obviously, quick plays, handing off the run game, we saw how important it was last season without ever really having a b- true bell cow back, as it were. How does the running back p- yeah. um, situation look at the moment? I mean, obviously, LeGarrette Blunt has gone. Um, Kenyon Barner, who had his moments last year, he's no longer there. How is it looking now, and do you think we'll see a difference from the two previous years under Peterson and maybe have that bell cow back, or is it still just going to be a committee? Yeah, well, I think if it's going to be a committee to some degree, it'll be J.H.I.E., Corey Clement, and uh, Darren Sproles, who they're locked to make the roster. And then the fourth running back spot will be won in camp by either Danelle Pumphrey, Wendell Smallwood, uh, undrafted free agent uh, Josh Adams, or uh, free agent acquisition Matt Jones, who was formerly with the Redskins and Colts. So those four guys that make the team, I don't know how heavily they'll be involved in whoever comes out of that group. Sproles... Clement and Ajayi are all going to get their share of touches. The one thing I will say about Ajayi is last year they really throttled him down after they acquired him from uh, the, the Dolphins around the midpoint of the season last year. They wanted to make sure that he was healthy for the stretch run of the season and the postseason. Because he does not have any issues, and the Eagles have pretty much, you know, they've, they've had no problems acknowledging they, They've been not shy, rather, about uh, acknowledging his knee problems. One thing I do wonder is, Jai's going to be a free agent next offseason, and the Eagles are going to be kind of tight against the cap as they were this offseason. They, of course, have the Clarkson Wentz uh, you know, contract extension on the horizon. That's going to be costly. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to spend you know, dollars on some of the players that on their own roster that you know, are coming up in free agency as well as you know, bringing guys in from the outside. So the Giants a pretty decent bet to move on to another team next offseason. And if the Eagles do, in fact, believe that, then I do think they're going to give them a bigger workload because, hell, what do they care? <laughs> it's just uh, going to be past the, the 2018 season. And that won't be a problem for Jay Ajayi either because as a free agent upcoming, he's going to want as many carries as he can get because he's going to stop with this so that he can make more money on the open market. Um, if there is reason to believe a guy is going to get 
you know, maybe more carries or more looks than he did a season ago, then I think JHI is a pretty good example of that. Moving over to the um, the pass catchers, um, one player that and I personally was quite excited about coming into this season, especially after Tory Smith was traded away, was Mac Holland. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know Alshon Jeffries, you know entrenched as the number one. We got Aguilar going to work the slot, but then obviously the Eagles then signed Mike Wallace. Is is it pretty much a given that that's going to be the starting three, or is there a chance that Hollands could work his way ahead of Wallace as camp progresses? Well, Hollands has been getting first team reps all throughout camp, and that's because Alshon Jeffrey is on the is on the pop list with uh, you know having story as he still recovers from. Uh, uh, a torn rotator cuff uh, surgery. So, uh, right now it's, it's Wallace, Hollins, and uh, and Aguilar. Of course, Jeffrey's going to you know be he'll be in the starting lineup when he returns, and it'll be Wallace. That'll be the number two receiver, and Aguilar will be the three, and Hollins will resume his spot as the fourth receiver, and uh, you know kind of uh, budding special star or special special teams uh, ace. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Collins is going to be, you know, really heavily involved in the offense, especially now because also the Eagles have, well, I mean, not also, but they have Zach Ertz, but then they also have uh, second-round pick Dallas Goddard, who has looked phenomenal throughout camp so far. And then they have the running backs who are going to be involved in the passing game. Corey Clement showed that he can be a factor in the passing game last year. They'll have Darren Sproles back, who is a factor in the passing game. So there just really aren't that many targets to go around for a guy like Matt Collins. And the fact is, if I can say, you know, Throughout training camp, even working with the ones, Hollins has been kind of quiet. So I don't really see a big jump out of him from year one to year two. I think he's going to improve, and I think he is improved. But again, I don't think many targets are going to come his way just because of his sheer numbers in the Eagles' offense. You mentioned uh, the tight end. Obviously, Zach Ertz uh, led the team with t- uh, sorry uh, led the team with receiving yards. I think last year or was it receptions, one or the other. Um, it was something of a seen as a breakout year for him. But even though he'd actually been quite consistent the year, first two years, he <laughs> right. just. He just never scored yeah. touchdowns. The Eagles then, obviously, with their their, their earliest pick, they traded, they selected Dallas Goddard. Is there a chance, do you think, that um, Goddard can come in and have a big role, or will he just simply have similar to what Trey Burton had last year? I'd be very surprised if he played as little as Trey Burton. Trey Burton only had 200-something receiving yards last year. I think his biggest year was 2016. Off the top of my head, I think he had like 300-something receiving yards. It blows my mind that he got an 8 million a year contract. The Bears, I mean, I think he's one of the more overrated players uh, in the NFL from a fantasy football perspective um, because I just don't think he's shown enough to, for, for you know, people to think that he's going to put up huge numbers in Chicago. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> to get off that tangent, I think Barrett's going to play early, and I think he's going to play a lot. Eagles also signed Richard Rodgers in free agency this offseason from the Packers. I think he's going to be their three. Goddard's going to be their two. Zachary's is going to be their one. And I think they're going to utilize more two tight end sets than they had, than they did last year. Goddard is legit. I mean, from what I've seen so far out of him in training camp, he gets open and he catches passes. <laughs> That's a high-level analysis, but that's just what he does. And you know, I think he's going to be heavily involved in the red zone. Even though he stopped, it's tough to stop again in the red zone this year. Because, and then, I mean, not to place too much emphasis on size, but they do have Zach Ertz, who's 6'5", and 250. They have Goddard, who's 6'5", 260. And they have Alshon Jeffrey, who's 6'3", 220. So they're three big guys. It's going to be tough for opposing defenses to match up with that size. And Goddard has gotten a lot of run during training camp, especially in the red zone. So... I think when the Eagles do get down and close, he's going to see a lot of playing time. 
Once again, inside the 20. Moving to the other side of the ball, um, there's, uh, on the defence, obviously the continuity there, Jim Swartz uh, is back as defensive coordinator. Again, it doesn't look like there's been massive changes. I mean, Patrick Robinson has gone back to New Orleans. Michael Kendricks was released. But the continuity on the and you know the talent that was there last season, this, this defence could potentially... Be actually better than it was last year, or am I just you know, literally just you know am I just drinking the Kool Aid there? Yeah, the defense was really good last year, and I think the shine is off them a little bit because they got torched in the Super Bowl. You know, Brady hung five hundred something passing yards on them, and Patriots had over six hundred total yards on the Eagles defense. Eagles just couldn't stop them once you know once the second half rolled around. against the Vikings in the yeah. championship game. They played really well against the Atlanta Falcons in the playoff game before that. And all throughout the season, you know, they, they played great defense. And you know, I'd say that they were very opportunistic. They had, they, got, they were able to force a lot of turnovers, whereas a team like, say, the Vikings, they didn't give up a lot of yards, but they also didn't turn the, the opposition over all that much. And that's where, you know, kind of the Jim Short scheme comes into play. The Eagles love rushing the quarterback with just four guys. If they can get pressure on the quarterback with just four guys, it makes, makes life so much easier on the back seven. And the Eagles really put a lot of priority on, a, on on their front four, and they have a really strong one with Brandon Graham, who's recovering from an injury. Uh, Timmy Jernigan is going to be out for a while, but they have uh, Fletcher Cox and they have Melody Inada. And they have Derek Barnett, who I believe is going to be more productive in his second year. They brought in Michael Bennett. They still have Chris Long. And they just have guys that they can throw to play quarterbacks in waves. And it's tough for you know, opposing offensive lines to block them for four quarters. Eventually, they're going to break through and they're going to make a play, as Brandon Graham did, despite the Eagles' defense getting torched in the Super Bowl when he was able to force the strip back with Tom Brady and, and you know, essentially close out that game. So, you know, as long as the uh, front four can create pressure on the opposing quarterback, then they're going to be absolutely fine because but they get to the quarterback and they force the quarterback into bad decisions and then it kind of hurts them on the back end. But it really always starts with that front four and any Jim Schwartz scheme. So as we look now, say training camps obviously started, season's a few weeks away. I assume you'd expect the Eagles to once again be challenging to be in the, you know, the late stages of the playoffs or even the Super Bowl again in 2018. I think it's the best roster in the NFL. <laughs> it's, it's, the very, it's, the, it's the simple one. But I know the Rams assigned a lot of guys and they have a lot of talent to see it. You know, what, what remains to be seen if you know, they can kind of all gel together. If the Patriots kind of took a hit this offseason. They obviously always still have Tom Brady and they have Gronkowski coming back. And, you know, those two guys alone, you know, can kind of give uh, opposing defenses all the headaches in the world. But and the Eagles, defense, or Eagles roster, rather, from, from top to bottom, in my view, is the best in the NFL. And uh, they're going to be really difficult to stop. NFC is loaded. I mean, they, even with the best roster in the NFL, you have the Rams, you have the Niners are going to be better. You have uh, the Falcons are, are, I believe, an underrated team. You have the Saints, who did a lot of damage last year. You have uh, the Packers, who are getting Aaron Rodgers back. You have the Vikings with their great defense. And just up and down the conference, you have so, I think the strongest NFC that we've seen in a while. And it's going to be, I mean, it's difficult for any team to repeat. Obviously, it hasn't happened since the Patriots did it after the 2005 season. But, I mean, especially this year for the Eagles with that loaded NFC, it's going to be difficult for them to get back. I mean, you mentioned about the Rams. I mean, it's not as if we can, you know, anyone who's watched the Eagles for any length of time can offer any advice about how advisable dream teams are to put on the field. You know, the Eagles, the Eagles dreamed. I didn't think that was a terrible idea what they did that year in terms of, you know, bringing the talent. They thought they were close. 
the real, the one thing that really kind of threw a wrench into the whole dream team thing for them that season was the years the, the, the lockout. So when the lockout ended, it was already like I don't remember if it was like late July or early August. It was somewhere in there, and you know they had the draft. But free agency would normally be in March before the draft. Free agency happened as soon as the lockout ended. So like all these guys who you know didn't have contracts or their contracts had expired were free to sign anywhere. Train camp was already underway for a lot of these teams, so dudes were bringing in like a new guy like every day, and I think that that had a lot to do with the dream team, quote unquote, really not working because those guys just really had no time to kind of put it together and become a team the way they might have been able to had they assembled you know the roster the way they did in March, and that's where the Rams and the Eagles, you know, dream team comparisons. Maybe that's the differentiator that that Rams fans can kind of. You know, hang their hat on, but you know, certainly when you do bring in a lot of talent the way that the Rams did, and, and not just talent, but talented guys who, you know, a lot of them kind of have histories of of, uh, of some off-the-field stuff, so we'll see how, there'll be a fascinating camp, uh, the Rams will be a fascinating sort of um, case study this year in, in roster building, it'll be fun to watch, you know, how good or, or you know, explosive that, that team is this season. But uh, the Eagles are a good kind of um, comparison for them in terms of acquiring players. You know, a lot of high-profile you know, good players. But the green team comparison is a little different again because of those lockout things. <laughs> Well, it's been fantastic talking to you, Jimmy. I say that's Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice. You can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, of course, Neil. Appreciate it. That was my chat with Jimmy Kemsky of phillyvoice.com. I say follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the things we, t- we were discussing. As you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching. Get ready for it with a subscription to a Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it supports the pod. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL Pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Welcome back. Before the break, we were speaking to Jimmy Kemsky, the Eagles beat writer for Philly Voice, as we looked at the Philadelphia Eagles going into the 2018 season. Obviously, huge difference coming into this season from last one. Um, The Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champions. They were very, very efficient on offense, very productive, very explosive on offense in 2017. And they were also very strong on defense. The defense didn't get an awful lot of... uh, praise or credit I don't think because some people still fall back on the yeah but they gave up 505 passing yards in the Super Bowl yeah it, it was to Tom Brady you know it wasn't to some no mark it was to one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever lived so I think it can be forgiven to an extent um, the Eagles obviously have some question marks on defence uh, they did lose a couple of pieces Patrick Robinson who'd been exceptional as the slot cornerback he's gone back to New Orleans Michael Kendricks um, has been released he didn't really play that much didn't make many big plays but there's so many question marks, um, especially on the offense. Um, as I said, there's a lot of players coming back from injury this year. Jason Peters, I say, one of the best left tackles in franchise history. Darren Sproles has been very, very productive as an Eagle ever since he came over. But obviously, the big one that everyone is concerned about, and you know, and the most important player on the Eagles on the offense. Let's be honest, it's Carson Wentz. Um, 
So we, you know, we know that he's coming back. He's probably ahead of schedule. I mean, we know that you know the new coach speak. If you're not ahead of schedule, you're behind schedule. But it there is does seem to be this groundswell of opinion that he will be ready for week one. So how important has Wentz been to the Eagles, and how much growth have we seen from him in his two seasons in the NFL? Well, if we use some of the apps we have at Rotoviz, I say we have over twenty proprietary apps on Rotoviz, and they all they're all fantastic. They really are. If you look in his first two seasons, if we split it up, his first two seasons, in 2016 he played all 16 games, which is unusual for an Eagles quarterback, it hasn't happened that often, certainly since the Andy Reid era began. And if we use the Game Splits app, which is one of the best apps we have at Rotoviz, we're able to look at, for example, for a quarterback, their pass attempts and completions, touchdowns, interceptions, yards per attempt, and passing yards. And we can break it down between seasons, between weeks of the year. So we can go, you know, for a span of weeks, for example, say like weeks one to four. We can see what the difference is, and we can see what a player is projected to have done on those numbers if we push them forward throughout a whole season. Well, let's say, if we look, in 2016, Wentz was a rookie, started all 16 games. He attempted 38 passes per game. He completed 23.69. He averaged 236 passing yards per game. Uh, one touchdown per game, bit disappointing. And 0.88 interceptions. His yards per attempt was 6.36. Overall, not terrible, but not great. He was asked to throw the ball and awful lot. I mean, 608 pass attempts for the season as a rookie. It's not great. Throw it forward a year, where he only played 13 games. Obviously, he was injured in the 13th uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. His pass attempts had gone down to 33.8. His completions were down as well to 20.38. But his passing yards per game was up to 253.54. His touchdowns per game was 2.54. Interceptions 0.54 and his yards per attempt 7.55. So from his opening season where he had 3,782 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. If we'd have projected it for what he did in his first 13 games in 2017, he would have finished with 4,057 passing yards. An Eagles record. The Eagles one of, in fact, I think they're the only team now in the NFL that have never had a 4,000 yard passer. 41 touchdowns would have been an Eagles record, 9 interceptions, and a yards per attempt of 7.55. It's That's just an absolute quantum leap from where he was. So if we look at some players you know, similar to Carson Wentz, we're looking at quarterbacks in their first two seasons in the NFL. From 2008 to 2017, I've gone with this. And the reason I've gone with that is because 2008 gave us two rookies who started as quarterback for their NFL teams, who were still quite, you know, quite prominent in the NFL. NFL today, that's Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco. Pretty much before them, it was very, very rare still for rookies to start. So if we look at quarterbacks in their first two years since 2008 and we're looking at the players most similar to Carson Wentz's numbers so just to just to let you know that's Carson Wentz who's attempted 1048 passes he has 7078 passing yards 6.8 yards per attempt that's brought down as we say by the rookie season 49 passing touchdowns 21 interceptions he's rushed the he's rushed 
110 times for 449 yards and two rushing scores. And in this, he's had 566.5 PPR points. On the rotor of his screen, it gives us the option of being able to look for similar players. So using that, similar players in their first two years as quarterbacks in the NFL, it's not a great uh, selection, to be honest. We've got Blake Bortles, 2014 to 2015. Um, he actually average, he actually had 10... Ooh, no, actually, no, I'll tell a lie. He had 1.5 PPR points less than Wentz in the first two seasons. Ryan Tannehill, 2012 to 2013, he had 507 passing yards. Now, the reason this isn't particularly encouraging is that Blake Bortles has shown that he's now quarterback of a team that want to take him out of the offence. So, obviously, that doesn't fill you with a great deal of uh, of joy in the heart. Ryan Tannehill is the same. The Dolphins have been their most successful when he hasn't been throwing the ball. Andy Dalton's another name in here. He's had his moments as a fantasy quarterback, certainly. He's had 540.55 PPR points over the time. I think he's had two touchdown passes less, but eight interceptions more than Wentz at the same span. And another one, a person who some people were suspecting that at the time, the year before the Eagles took Wentz, that maybe Chip Kelly might have moved heaven and earth to go up and get Marcus Mariota. Well, he's not been terribly different from Wentz in the first two seasons. Marcus Mariota had 45 touchdowns, so less than Wentz. 19 interceptions, again, less than Wentz. And he had 551 PPR points. So not a terrible... You know, not a terribly encouraging list of comps, but there are players there like Dalton and Mariota who've shown flashes. I mean, what Mariota did go backwards last season, but there is an awful lot of hope around him in a new offense with a new offensive-minded coach, um, offensive-minded uh, offensive coordinator. Sorry for the Titans in Matt Lafleur. So again, if we have a look using the rotor of his screener, again we saw that Wentz's numbers there are pretty much brought down by a poor first year. So let's have a look at players similar to Wentz, again, using the similarity search on the road of his screener, who had second years similar to Carson Wentz. Well, now we Marcus Mariota's there as well. 7.6 yards per attempt, 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Uh, Wentz had 7.5 yards per attempt, 33 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. Another encouraging name here is Russell Wilson. He had 8.2 yards per attempt in his second season, 26 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. So the same as Marcus Mariota, 313.35 PPR points. And other players, Derek Carr, his second season, he had the 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, an MVP-style season for Carr. Then obviously he has his broken leg, he's had back problems, he's not been the same. And another name on here is Josh Freeman. So the less said about that, the better. Well, another key player on the Eagles' offence, is tight end Zach Ertz. Now, people think that Ertz broke out in 2017. He was certainly one of the Eagles' best pass catchers. But the fact of the matter is that over the last three seasons, so the two with Wentz and the season before that, he has been amongst the most productive tight ends in the NFL. He's had 328 targets. Again, this information is from the Rotovis screener. You can break, break it down by year or by a span of years, so I've gone from 2015 to 2017 to get this information. His 328 targets are third most among tight ends. 
His 227 receptions were third most. His 2,493 receiving yards was fourth most. And his PPR points, 560.3, is fourth most. The one area in which he seemed to lag behind his peers was with touchdowns. He only has 14 in those three seasons. That's good for 10th. Now, he did have eight last year. And that was a career high. So, obviously, we're hopeful, you know, if you're an Eagles fan or if you're a Zach Ertz owner, that they can still have this connection. We've seen how important the tight end is in the Doug Peterson offense. Obviously, the Eagles drafted Dallas Goddard, but at the moment, Zach Ertz is still the guy. Another player that the Eagles um, may look to use more this season than they did last season and that's Jay Ajayi who came in as a trade during the season from the Miami Dolphins now people don't seem to know what to make of Ajayi fancy wise you know is he going to be a workhorse are the Eagles going to continue to have this committee he did split time it is acknowledged you know with Corey Clement LeGarrette Blount even Kenyon Barner last season when he came over to the Eagles if we actually have a look in the seven games he played for the Dolphins before he came to the Eagles, he was playing an average of 71% of their offensive snaps. He played an average of 36% for the Eagles. So if, again, if we use um, the Game Splits app, let's say, on the Rotovis suite of apps, and we break down his season from weeks 9 to 17 and weeks 1 to 8, well, in the weeks 1 to 8, he was averaging 19.7 rush attempts per game, 66.43 rushing yards per game, but no touchdowns. He didn't have any touchdowns. In the receiving game, he was being targeted 2.86 times per game. He had two catches per game, and he was averaging 9.6 PPR points. So he was getting a big, big bulk of the work in the Miami backfield, but he wasn't doing that great. Fast forward, I say, to weeks 9 to 17, those seven games he played with the Eagles, and better mind to say his snap count was virtually halved from what he was getting at Miami. We see now he's... His attempts per game is down to 10. His rushing yards per game, though, is down to 58.29. So he was averaging 5.8 yards per carry. His touchdowns, he was getting 0.29 touchdowns per game. He saw two targets per game and was getting 1.43 receptions per game. And 11.13 PPR points per outing. So if we extrapolate this over a full season, he actually would have had 178 PPR points. 933 rushing yards, five touchdowns, um, only 23 receptions, but I say 178 PPR points. If he'd been keeping, if he'd have been kept at his work pace, what he was get, getting with the Dolphins before he came to the Eagles, he'd only have had 154 PPR points. So it's a question of he has shown he can be much more efficient if. The Eagles do sprinkle in some of the other backs. Obviously, they still have Corey Clement. Donnell Pumphrey seems to be having a great camp. He might be you know, becoming something of the player Eagles thought he would be when they drafted him. But they've still got Darren Sproles, and there's Josh Adams, or Wendell Smallwood, or, or Matt Jones, the former Washington back. So we've seen that Ajayi can be productive with a small work, a smaller workload. But we've seen in the past as well, in the second season with Miami, that if you get want to feed him the ball time and time, again he can do that as well so that's going to do it for the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles team preview from Rotoviz Radio big thank you to Jimmy Kemsky please go out and follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky I'm Neil Dutton follow me on Twitter at ndutton13 thank you very much for tuning in 
Thank you for listening to the 2018 Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colm Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.